button, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just push the button. Good. And so um, what we wanted to do today, we felt we've had an awesome time going through uh, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. I hope you've been blessed by that. And then we've, um, we had a great week last week with Lynn sharing, and it was so good uh, just taking time to worship and to uh, enjoy time of the Holy Spirit. And we wanted to uh, kind of take a moment to, to really uh, see well, where are we at as a church? What is God doing amongst us? And this idea of a halftime team talk where, you know, in any kind of match at halftime, uh, the team gets together, the coach, the managers, they talk about, okay, what are we going to do this next half? Because there's more to come. And we've maybe had a terrible first half or a brilliant first half. Uh, either way, there's the second half to go where we need to press through again and press through into the more. So that's what we wanted to do this morning. And we've really felt, I guess, as elders that uh, we're in a healthy place as a church, which is, which is wonderful. I don't say that lightly uh, because coming out of COVID and all that, um, you know, it's wonderful to see the health in the life of our church. We're seeing real community impact. We're seeing discipleship happening. We're seeing people growing in God's words. We're seeing people growing in spiritual gifts. Uh, we're seeing real care and love in us as a community. And we're seeing great leadership uh, in our community as well. So there are many great things that are healthy, that are good, uh, and that we are excited about. And I thought, well, uh, I want to depict that in a picture. So um, I thought, well, this is a nice picture. This is a healthy kind of picture. We're on a journey. We're on a road. Uh, it's all nice and green. Uh, that looks nice, doesn't it? Yeah. There's no people. No, well, you're not worried about people. We're just thinking about what, is, what does it look like? <laughs> There's what? Skies of a Oh, come on. <laughs> There's always one. There's always one. <laughs> the green is terrific. So that's my picture of healthy. Yeah, there's good stuff there. It's good. So now my picture of what the more is, because we feel there is more, and God has got a whole lot more for us. And uh, when I showed this picture to Tom, he was a bit like, well, I don't know if you can show that picture. You'll see why. This is why. This is my picture of the mall. Now, that's a good picture, isn't it? There's still a road. We're on a journey, but that is a psychedelic mall, isn't it? I mean, that is a whole lot more. A whole lot more. They're mushrooms. They're everything, yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. And I love it because it's, it's supernatural, and what God has for us is way beyond just some nice green. Maybe some of you are thinking, I'd rather go back to the nice green. That's more comfortable. No, God's got much more for us, much more than just a comfortable ride through the countryside. He's got something that is on steroids, really. It's way beyond. Actually, anything we can ask or imagine is what His Word says. He will do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, much more than... Uh, just a comfortable, healthy ride. And I believe He has that for us as Grace City Church, which means He has that for every single one of you, because we are the church. And um, 
as I was praying into this, I thought, well, God, we're going to hear about some different things in the life of the church, but, but where do we want to turn in your Scripture? What, what is the word that you want me to bring? And so I felt God lead me to uh, Matthew 24 and 25, which is a bit of a surprise, really, because it's uh, some verses that really, uh, they, they have an urgency to them. And so as I uh, read them, and I'm going to bring them to you, I feel like there's, there's this urgency in God for what He wants to do amongst us. We've been singing about revival. There's an urgency about that. Revival is, is something that you don't uh, just kind of cruise into, in a sense. It's something that comes with passion, as we're passionate about God, as we seek God for all that He has, as we, we come to Him wanting Him to uh, change and transform the world around us. There's an urgency to that, and uh, there's something about um, understanding the times. And God does have more for us, and not necessarily just an earthly more in terms of more wealth, more possessions, more holidays, but He's got much more uh, in who we are, in who you are in God for you to step into. He's got spiritual gifts for you to step into. He's got a greater relationship with Him for you to step into. He's got uh, many to be saved. Here on the northern beaches, there are people waiting to come to know Jesus Christ. I believe that. There, there are ones that God has prepared even today, they're ones that God has prepared that He's calling their hearts to say, actually, you are ready to come to me. And we are the ones that bring that sweet aroma of Jesus to the world. We are the ones. There's an urgency about that. And so, Matthew 24 and 25, I, I don't have time to uh, read through all of it. I'm going to read a bit, but uh, God, I've got my rhyme of this. So, Matthew 24 and 25, there are a number of parables or stories that Jesus tells, and He's talking about His return, when He will come back, because He came over 2,000 years ago, He lived on this earth, He was fully God, fully man, uh, He lived here, and then He gave Himself up for us, died on the cross, and then rose again. And he has declared that he will return. When he returns, it will be very different. And so we see a number of stories that Jesus tells when he was here those few thousand years ago. He tells us about his return. And he gives a story about a thief breaking into a house in the night. He says, the homeowner doesn't know when it's going to happen. If someone's going to break into your house, you've no idea when that's going to happen. Otherwise, you'd be there with your baseball bat, I was going to say AK-47, but that's probably America. So maybe baseball bat, uh, you'd be there ready. But we don't know when the thief is going to break into the, into the house. He then gives a story of a servant put in charge of his master's household while the master is away. And when that happens, this guy who's left in charge, he's kind of got two choices. He can either um, live really comfortably himself and get everyone, because he's now the boss, get everyone to run around and do all the work, or he can really serve those others that are in the household with him. He's got two choices. And in the story, uh, Jesus says, well, he made the wrong choice. He actually just looks after his own needs. 
the master returns, takes him by surprise, and as he returns, there's, there's the servant caught in his selfishness, and so the master punishes him. And Jesus pulls no punches because he says actually he will be cut into pieces. The Bible's quite graphic sometimes <laughs> with how it talks. Then we have the story of the ten bridesmaids who are to light their torches to welcome the bridegroom when he arrives. And these torches, they would have been those ones you've probably seen in movies of uh, rags wrapped around uh, a long stick, and you soak them in oil, light them. When you did that, they'd last about 15 or 20 minutes. If you didn't put oil on them, they would just burn out, and it would be a waste of time. Well, they're all waiting for the bridegroom to arrive, and they all fall asleep, waiting for the bridegroom to arrive. When he does, suddenly there's the message, he's about to arrive, five of the ten have been prepared. They've got their oil. They've got their jars of oil ready, so they can pour the oil on the rags, they can light their lamps. The other five, they're not ready. And so they rush off to go and try and find some oil. By the time they get back, having got the oil, they've missed the moment. The other five have lit the way. The bridegroom's gone in. The doors have been shut. Those five are left behind, shut outside. They missed the key moment. And then the last story is about three servants who are given large amounts of money to invest for their master while he's away. So one servant is given five bags of gold. These are massive amounts of money that they were given. One's given five bags of gold, one is given two bags of gold, and one is given one bag of gold. You probably have heard the story, you know the story. What happens is the master's away for a long time. They don't know when he's coming back. Suddenly he returns. And what does he find? He finds the one who was given five bags of gold. He's invested it. He's worked with the money. And he now has ten bags of gold for his master. The one who had two had done the same thing. He'd worked with it. He'd invested it. He'd been purposeful with it. And he now has four bags of gold. The one who was given one... Well, he thought his master, he doesn't want to take a risk with this, he's going to bury it. So he just buries it on the day he was given it. When the master returns sometime later, he digs it out, he's just got the one bag of gold. And this, the, when the master arrives back, he admonishes that one who just buried his bag and throws him out. The other two are rewarded with even more responsibility. And then after those four stories, we get to Jesus then describing what it's going to be like for His return. And so, we'll read this from Matthew 25, <clears throat> from verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. 
I was in prison and you came to visit me. Where are we up to? <clears throat> Doing it all at once. The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, sorry, I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Sorry, I missed a bit in the middle there. It's a scary picture. It's a scary picture. So what can we learn? I want to draw out just a few things from these stories and this picture of the last judgment. Well, firstly, Jesus will return to judge us all. He will return. And He will return... First time he came, he came to save, to love. Now he will return to judge, and he will return to judge us all. Secondly, when Jesus judges all of us, we can only be found in one of two categories. Those that know him and live for him, and those that don't. There's no middle ground. There's no third option there's no other way. Jesus is the only way. Either you've given your life wholeheartedly to Jesus and experienced His undeserved forgiveness, love, and grace, or you haven't. There's no other way. Thirdly, when Jesus returns, most will be caught unawares, but we, His disciples, are to be in constant readiness. We to be prepared for His return. We don't know the dates, but we are, to be to, we are to be prepared. And the way we are prepared is not by trying to calculate the date that He's going to arrive, but by responding to God's call on our lives. We need to respond to His call on our lives. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then actually there's a response in the way that you live for Him and that is how you are prepared for His return. And fourthly, we see that being ready is not to sit quietly waiting, but rather to take action as we live by faith. So this waiting, this preparedness, Jesus is going to return. We don't know when. The stories we've just looked at, the master was away for a long time but could return at any moment. We to be prepared, he could return at any time. But that preparation is not just a sitting back, well, I've given my life to the Lord. That's it. I don't need to do anything else. Well, in a sense, you don't, but God's called you to much more. That picture before of bright colors, Greg had had uh, a picture when we were praying uh, before the meeting of bright colors, that God's got bright colors for us. He's got so much more for you to step into than just 
sitting back and waiting. Our preparedness is about how we step forward in this time. And we see some indications in these parables, in these stories, as to what that looks like. Let me just highlight a few. We see the servant put in charge of the household, so he was called to look after others, to provide for the others, rather than selfishly looking after just his own needs. The master returned, he was just looking after his own needs. We called to look after others. We see the bridesmaids, that they aren't to put off their preparations until some later stage. There is a time limit. There is a time limit. There's a time limit on this earth. There's a time limit when God will return and wrap up the heavens and the earth as we know it. So there is a time limit. At some unknown time, Jesus will return, and then the door will be shut. The door will be shut, and we've either missed it or not. So we should not be lulled into complacent thinking. Well, you know, we can put it off. Well, actually, it's when I get this job or when, when we get the house, then I'll be able to give more time to God or when I feel like, um, you know, I've dealt with this issue in my life, well, then, then I'll be able to serve you fully, God. Well, actually, no, there's no time. There's no time for that. There's no time to say, well, I'm just going to do this first, and, and then God. Actually, God says, now, now is the time for you to step into all that I have for you. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Don't think you need to be older, or you need to be better Christian in some way. Actually, God says, no, just step into what I have for you. It's ready for you now. Lynn said last week, when we are saved, the moment we are saved, everything that God has for us is immediately available. Immediately. It's right there, available for you. We can think spiritual gifts. Well, they're just they're for those super-duper Christians, whatever they are. No, it's, just, it's for you. The moment you're saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit... You can step forward. God gives us those gifts to live our life. Can I tell someone about Jesus? Well, I don't really know enough. I don't know all the right words. I don't know how to say it. Well, your life is your testimony. That's your witness, who you are, what Jesus has done in you. You can be a witness from the very moment you are saved. From that very moment, let's not delay. Let's not be lulled into complacency. We see the bridesmaids also. They show us that they can't rely on another's preparedness. We each need our own oil for our torch. Your relationship with God can't depend on your parents, on your kids, on your partner, on anyone else. It's you and God. The parable of the bags of gold reinforces that readiness is not just waiting but it's about responsible activity that produces results, that when the master returns, he sees five bags have become ten, two bags have become four. You see, the bags of gold, it, the one who, who only had one, and he buried it, it wasn't, it does say he was lazy, but it wasn't so much that he was lazy, I think, it was more that at the root of it, he failed to understand the nature of his responsibility. Because his responsibility was not about security. It wasn't to just hide it and keep it. His responsibility 
was to step into the more, to create more. And our responsibility is not to play it safe. It's not just to say, you know, well, I'm just going to keep this little bit. Our responsibility is actually to grow what God has given us into more, to produce fruit for His kingdom. The amounts, the amounts in one sense are irrelevant because it doesn't matter one person, the person next to you might have been given five bags of opportunity and what God's given them. You might have been given two, you might have been given ten. The amount doesn't matter, but what you do with it is what counts. What you do with it is what counts. And then we see in that scene from the final judgment that it's those that serve Jesus by serving others, especially the most insignificant, that are ready for Jesus' return. So these are big questions for us to ask. And as I say, I felt the urgency of God through this passage, and I hope you feel it today. There is urgency for what we are stepping into. The more that God has for us, it requires action. It requires us to move forward, to take steps of faith. God's given you, each of you, so much, every single one in this room, so gifted, so equipped, so loved by God. So I hope you're encouraged to step into the more. There are three important questions for us to consider. Firstly, do you know Him? That's the first question. Do you know Him? The first part of being ready is knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't said, Lord, I confess my sin, I know you've come to die for me, You've given your life for me so that I might be free. And if you don't make that choice to say, so Lord, I declare you my Lord and Savior, then you're missing the very first step. You have to come to Him in that way. Secondly, if you've completed that step, are you stepping into all He has for you? And so the third question is, what's the faith-filled more that God wants you to step into? What does He want you to step into? I'd like us just to close our eyes, if you can all just close your eyes. Let's, let's just come before God. We're already before God. He's here. The Holy Spirit is here. He's here to do a whole lot of things. He's here to show you His love. He's here to convict and to stir your heart. He's here to call you to Himself in a new way. More than you've known before. He wants you to know Him. You might not know Him at all. Or you might have known Him for a long time. Either way, He wants you to know Him more. He wants to bring you further today. And so I want to firstly just give an opportunity that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never said, Lord, I choose you, I choose to give my life to you, 
then this is an opportunity for you to do that. If you feel this is a time that you would like to do that, then I'd just like you to slip your hand in the air. If you'd like to say, I want to give my life to you today, Lord Jesus. I want to know you more. And just slip your hand in the air. This is an indication to God. And then I also want to give us an opportunity to indicate to God, actually, God, I want to step into the more that you have. And if you're feeling that urgency today, that actually you need to take a step, then I'd just like you to put your hand in the air just to indicate to God, saying, God, actually, I want the more. I, I want to know you more. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, I pray for each one of us. I pray that you would take us further, Lord. Lord, these parables, these stories, Lord, they, they call us to step forward, not to wait, Lord. But, Lord, you've given us so much. Each one is about given responsibility and everyone in this room Lord you've given responsibility there's a call on every single life in this room so Lord I pray that we would take faith steps help us Lord help us to be positioned Sandy brought a word a while ago about being correctly positioned she was talking about a visitor knowing, wanting to get somewhere by bus and they had to be on the right side of the road. We need to be positioned. So Lord, help us to be positioned. Lord, to step into what you have for us. Lord, if there are changes we need to make in our position, I pray you would speak to us. Lord, that we would be positioned for what you have. We would be positioned to take that step. And then Tish brought a word this morning about us, something that happened to her going on a, a ride where she climbed the steps up to get to the top and then was too scared to take that final step and, and walk back down again. And Lord, we can be in the right position but then miss taking the step of faith. And I want to pray for each one of us, Lord, for boldness, Lord, courage, Lord Jesus. Lord, we need courage in these days. Lord, we need boldness, Lord, to step out in faith. So, Lord, won't you stir each one? Give us that gift of faith afresh this morning. Lord, revival's going to come as we are in the right position and then as we take the step of faith. Lord, so I pray, won't you stir each one? Give us a greater gift of faith, Lord. Give us the courage to step into all that you have. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We just receive from you this morning, Lord.
You're so good to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.